Welcome back to Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry. Today we are about 24 hours removed from an announcement to come from the Joe Biden for President campaign. He, as you well know, just yesterday made it known that Kamala Harris will be running alongside him as his uh, vice presidential running mate. Today, in about an hour's time, they will together for the first time appear at a public event. This will take place in Wilmington, Delaware at Alexis I. DuPont High School, just down the street uh, from Joe Biden's home. Yesterday, as soon as this announcement was made, we reached out to uh, Democratic leadership here in the state of Utah, and uh, unsurprisingly, they were very excited about this announcement, and they shared many of the reasons they felt why uh, this was a good pick, why it's good not only for the nation, uh, for the candidacy of Joe Biden, uh, but also the state of Utah. And, well, uh, there are always two sides uh, of each coin, and right now, uh, as we move towards the uh, election for president in November, uh, the, those two sides will be battling back and forth. Right now, for reaction, we are joined uh, by Derek Brown, chairman of the Republican Party here in the state of Utah. Derek, sir, how are you? I'm well, Lee. How are you? Thanks for uh, having me on. Yeah, of course. Uh, yesterday, after this announcement was made, uh, the RNC, uh, the party at the national level, uh, voiced through the chairwoman, uh, Chairwoman McDaniel, said that uh, her quote was, a hiding, diminished, and incoherent Joe Biden didn't just select a vice presidential candidate. He chose the person who would actually be in charge the next four years if he is somehow able to win. Kamala Harris's extreme positions from raising taxes to abolishing private health insurance to comparing law enforcement officials to the KKK show that the left-wing mob is controlling Biden's candidacy just like they would control him as president. She concludes her remarks saying these radical policies might be popular among liberals, but they are well outside the mainstream for most Americans. Would you say that these policies are outside the mainstream for most Utahns as well? Oh, I, I think they are, and I think the, uh, <clears throat> the the unfortunate thing is for the Democrat Party is that when you when you have a VP pick, you want it to be something that really is exciting and energizes your base and gives you a big bump in the polls and, and really just is is a you know a, creates some momentum. And unfortunately, they sort of failed on all fronts. I mean, it, it was kind of a big yawn. I know they'll be, they'll have an event here in a little bit, but it was sort of this. It was sort of this big yawn because the reality is um, she doesn't really energize their base. In fact, the base of the Democrat Party has sort of been protesting against her. And I think what people forget is that she ran for president and just sort of fizzled out completely. I mean, she even dropped out before the, uh, the, the deadline to register to be on the ballot here in Utah. The Democrats had 15 candidates on the ballot. And she wasn't even one of them. And so I think that the problem is what you want to do is you want to appeal to the moderates, but also energize the base. And unfortunately, I think they failed on, on both fronts. There was a moment during the, the campaign on the Democratic side as various candidates were competing for the nomination uh, when Kamala Harris was still in the running. And there were accusations leveled against former Vice President Joe Biden uh, regarding some inappropriate touching of women. Uh, many of those women came forward and in various uh, media outlets gave their accounts uh, of those events. Uh, Senator Harris's response then at the time was, I believe these women. I respect them. 
And in the aftermath, or the aftermath, in, since yesterday, since the announcement, uh, many have brought that up, and they have been immediately responded with by uh, by saying, oh, well, listen, politics is politics. That, that They were competitors at the time. Politic- Should we look at it just as politics is normal, or is there a fundamental distrust on display between uh, the, the Kamala Harris and Joe Biden? Well, and I think there's, there's also not just distrust, but I think there's a level of hypocrisy when you – I mean, you're going to start seeing a lot of the quotes that came out during the Kavanaugh hearings when she just went after him for these – you know, an accusation of something 25, 30 years ago when he was a minor. And if you look at that now and you compare that with the, the allegations against Biden when he was a sitting United States senator and having his running mate say, you know, I believe these women, um, it's going to be very difficult for her to explain that away. And for the Democrat Party, frankly, to say we've got all these allegations and we got a vice presidential candidate who's his running mate who says she believes these stories that he did those things. I mean, these are two conflicting things that really can't coexist unless you're sort of schizophrenic. And so that's going to be the real trick the Democrat Party has to, you know, sort of the the tightrope they're going to have to try and walk the next couple of months. And it's, it's going to be really uncomfortable. Chairwoman McDaniel had uh, this to say she, she described uh, she described Kamala Harris as being the one who would be in control uh, of the country should Joe Biden somehow be able to win. Is that is that fair to say? Well, a few people are really talking about that, but but the reality is there's a lot of uh, a lot of folks wondering how Biden, with his sort of current state, will do at a vice presidential debate. I mean, as a lot of uh, as a lot of your listeners know. The vice presidential debate will take place here in Utah in a couple of months. And so Utah will be, I mean, Salt Lake City will be sort of front and center on, on the mind of everyone. And, uh, and so we're going to have Kamala Harris. I mean, she'll be debating. And then we'll have a series of presidential debates, obviously, with Biden. And, you know, we'll have a better chance to kind of see him. But I think that's the big concern Democrats have is how is he going to come across? Because mentally he isn't. You know, he isn't quite what he used to be. I used to work in Washington, D.C. a number of years ago, and and he was sharp and powerful and potent in these Judiciary Committee hearings and really a force to be reckoned with. But that was a decade or so ago, and that's not the Biden we see today. And so I think it is a, it's a genuine concern to have an individual who's likely to be the president of the United States if he wins and whose mental capacity is something that even Democrats privately are talking about. I know, Lee, you've probably heard that as well. I mean, privately, Democrats are they're a little bit worried. Yeah, yeah I, I have heard that. Uh, yesterday, Jeff Merchant talked about one of Senator Harris's uh, qualifications and one of the things he views as being uh, a benefit to Utah should Senator Harris ascend to the vice presidency, and that being uh, that she comes from a western state. Uh, do you view California as a Western state? And if so, would she be a benefit to Utahns in this fashion? I, I don't think Utahns view California as, as a sister state, so to speak. Um, on the contrary, one of the best ways to win an issue, I mean, I used to be in the legislature, and, and quite often the best way to help an issue get passed through the legislature was to say, um, this is the opposite of how they do it in California. Or if you wanted a bill to not get passed, you'd say, well, here's how they do it in California. So. We are exactly the opposite 
of California on so many levels and have tens of thousands of people from California, in fact, moving here. And then I guess the, the real difficulty the Democrats have to kind of work through is the fact that her background, who she is as a, as a prosecutor, is fundamentally at odds with the base of the party that is protesting the very individuals who do what Kamala Harris has been doing. So that's another one of those tricky sort of issues the Democrats are going to have to navigate. So, I mean, for all these reasons, Lee, I, I just, you know, I, I don't want to sound too partisan when I say this, but it, you know, it's not a great pick. And so as the chairman of the Utah Republican Party, I mean, we're, you know, we're certainly happy with it, but it also was just, I mean, the pick is just a big yawn. I mean, you're not going to see any bounce. You're not going to really see any excitement. And, and uh, we'll, you know, next week, it won't be an issue and we'll move on, on to other issues. Outstanding. Derek Brown, chairman of the Utah GOP. Thank you for your insight. Thanks for your time here today. Hey, thanks, Lee. Appreciate it. All righty. Uh, we're going to take a break right now, but before we do, I want to invite you to get on the phones. The number is 801-575-TALK, 801-575-8255. When we come back, I want to speak with you. I want to hear what you think about the selection by Joe Biden of Kamala Harris as his vice presidential pick. Again, 801-575-8255. Good choice, bad choice, good for Utah, bad for Utah, good for the country? Let me know. 801-575-8255. Your call's next on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. Welcome to Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry. We're deep into the 1 o'clock hour. I'll give you a heads up. In about 20 30 minutes from now, there will be uh, a media event taking place uh, just outside of Wilmington, Delaware at Alexis I. DuPont High School. In attendance will be, of course, Joe Biden and his now newly announced running mate, Kamala Harris. They uh, will be presenting themselves to the public uh, for the first time as a team. I'd like to hear what you think about this pick. The number to call is 801 575 8255. Regardless of your party, regardless of your background, I'd like to hear your analysis. What do you think? As you just on this program yesterday learned that Kamala Harris will be running alongside Joe Biden and on October 7th visiting us here in Utah to take the stage at the University of Utah uh, facing off against Mike Pence, current vice president, as he seeks to hold on to his position and promote his boss, uh, Donald Trump. How will that go? What will you be watching for? 801-575-8255. First on the line, uh, a friend of mine, Mark Shirtliff. You remember him, of course, uh, former attorney general uh, of the state of Utah, sent me a text message this morning uh, sharing some of his thoughts about the selection of Kamala Harris, who uh, it turns out uh, worked as attorney general in the state of California at the same time Mark Shirtliff was serving the state of Utah as attorney general. Mark, sir, how are you? I'm good. Great program as always, Lee. Thank you, sir. Thank you very much. Uh, tell me, yesterday, as you heard the news, how'd you react? Uh, I was delighted. I started calling all my Democratic friends. I, since the moment she uh, suspended her campaign last year, I've been pushing her and talking about her as a VP pick. And even when she was pretty low on the on the list of people, and there were others that were surfacing to the top, and so I called them and said, I told you so. <laughs> I know her well. Let's take a, st a step backwards here. F talk about your own politics. Folks will remember that you uh, served here in, in Utah as a Republican attorney general, and yet now you are, uh, uh, you're all a Twitter <laughs> over Kamala Harris. Uh, w w what are your attitudes these days? 
I, um, I know her, worked with her for four years, served on several committees with her, the National Association of Attorneys General, and uh, was always delighted to be able to work with her. One of the, the hallmarks and something that we've lost in politics and one of my greatest disappointments, federal, national, and state, is the inability of, of Democrats and Republicans to work together. And she was always great to work across party lines. We, we, we co-sponsored uh, letters to Congress, uh, uh, lawsuits uh, for various states, et cetera. Uh, always willing to work together for the good of the country with me, and so um, I consider her a friend. She's extremely bright. You mentioned the the upcoming debate, and I think it's awesome it's good to be here, the one VP debate. And I'll tell you, Mike Pence, Vice President Pence, better be prepared because she is not only extremely smart, but she prepares like a seasoned prosecutor, and uh, she's she's really sharp. And the thing I love about the fact that they, not only is she a woman, but she's a, a woman of color. She's got multi-religious uh, kind of backgrounds, having the Tamil background as well as being a Christian and now married to a Jew, and just uh, someone I think that women in Utah, and women, as you've reported many times, Jeremy, I mean, we led the nation out with women getting involved and having a voice in politics and the vote and everything else, uh, I think they should really take a close look at her. What do you remember from those four— what do you remember from those four years as standing out as some of the accomplishments you two were able to achieve together or some of the efforts uh, undertaken by the two of you together? One of the things is we both obviously had a strong uh, support and love of law enforcement and the role law enforcement plays in society as far as kind of keeping that the scales of justice in balance, but at the same time also get very concerned. And we had discussions about uh, police abuse and, and reigning in the police. We had discussions about the death penalty. Uh, she, she personally was against death penalty, and I know that they're criticizing her because, as Attorney General, she, or she did uh, appeal uh, a ruling uh, saying that California death penalty was uh, unconstitutional, but she did that. We always face this debate as uh, we're not lawmakers. Uh, we don't pass laws. We, uh, we Our job and our requirement oath is to defend those laws. And as AG, you know, there's some AGs who say, well, I'm not going to defend that law. I disagree with it. But she took her role and, and constitutional duties uh, responsibly and said, well, I didn't make the law. I disagree with it, but I'm going to have to defend it. She did. Um, so I think those, in those areas, she, she was uh, really, really interested. And we worked together and talked a lot about immigration reform. Uh, she had, she, we were on the same page when it comes to um, uh, the DREAM Act and, and uh, supporting the, those kids who were here, uh, brought here when they were children, et cetera. And so in those areas, I, I think she really stood out in my mind. Is, is the attitude you describe held by her being so pro-law enforcement, is that, uh, is that uh, of, a, of benefit to the, the Biden campaign? In this environment, well, I think it is, that obviously, is? A, lot, a lot has happened, in the, and uh, I'm sure that uh, Joe Biden heard from a lot of people, uh, particularly in Black Lives Matter and all the things that are going on as far as defund the police and everything. And I know she is not a defund the police kind of a person, and and yet she obviously passed it passed muster with him and others uh, who had to make that decision, uh, and they're willing to overlook that because I, at the end of the day, it's a very reasoned approach that absolutely law enforcement is, is a critical role. But they have to maintain that balance and respect the rights of every person, including those who they believe are violating the law in front of them. And so I think she will be a voice of reason in that regard. Uh, I think she will be very, very supportive and, and very well prepared uh, with her resume to be able to address uh, law enforcement reform in a, in a practical and a reasonable way and not let it be carried away with the whole defund the police movement. 
Yeah. Uh, Mark Shirtliff, former attorney general from the state of Utah, served at the same time Kamala Harris was serving as attorney general of the state of California, had uh, numerous occasions to work together on efforts. Uh, thank you, sir, for your insight and your, and your information, your views. My pleasure. Maybe we'll see you up at the debate. Hopefully you get to report on it. That, that's my goal. I'm, I'm, I'm after a ticket. I, I'd really like one. Hopefully I'll be able to get my hands on one and be up there. Uh, regardless, I'll, I'll certainly like be watching you. from home if I don't pull that off. Gotcha. All hey, right, sir. Thanks a lot. Good, yep. good on you. All right. Take Bye. care. Uh, so there you go. There's a perspective that uh, that we have not yet heard. Someone who served alongside her during her time uh, as attorney general. Those years of her professional career will be scrutinized over the next number of months. They will be broken down. They will be uh, analyzed uh, for either their merits and benefit to the Biden campaign or from the other side. Uh, as reason to vote against. Uh, next up on the line is Benny, who thinks that uh, Senator Harris is a fantastic pick. Benny, why do you think that? Well, uh, first of all, there was 10 or 11 uh, ladies right at the last that he was venting, and, and mo- a lot of them are really good picks, and, and she's, the be- as far as I'm concerned, the best of all of them. She's got a lot of experience. She, uh, uh, she was attorney general for the fifth biggest economy in the world, in California, uh, she she was able to uh, become a senator, and uh, all that with her parents being immigrants. Uh, uh, yeah, I think she's going to be great. Of course, and the other thing that bothered me is when your chair, uh, uh, a Republican chair, keeps throwing things about Biden that's not true, and just like it's a fact. I, I just wish they'd uh, stop spreading lies, like. Uh, he, if he had uh, any problems with any women in the past years, uh, President uh, Obama would have found that out with his many, because he, uh, unlike Trump, he did a tremendous job of venting a lot of people, and he vented uh, Vice President Biden very severely and closely. Well, Benny, I'm, I'm grateful to you. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm grateful to you for your call. Thank you for your views and your position there. Uh, and we'll see how this all plays out. Uh, I invite you, too, to keep listening. At about 1.50, uh, there will be a joint appearance. I want you to hear the first time uh, Joe Biden will appear alongside Kamala Harris uh, as uh, running mates. They'll do so from Alexis I. DuPont High School uh, in a suburb of Wilmington, Delaware, Joe Biden's hometown. Kamala Harris uh, arrived there a number of hours ago. And tonight they'll hold, uh, they'll hold a fundraiser from... The, from DuPont Hotel, which is the site uh, of the very first announcement made by Joe Biden back in the 70s that he would be running for the United States Senate, a place uh, where he served uh, for many, many decades. And so we'll see. Uh, that's coming up. Uh, we're going to take a break right now. Uh, and when we return, you know how I am so easily distracted by things? Well, there was a photograph yesterday taken of the moment Joe Biden was uh, informing Kamala Harris that she was his selection uh, as a vice presidential running mate. Well, in that photo, there was something on Joe Biden's desk that caught my attention. I'll explain what it is and why it's so important to Joe Biden next on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. Welcome back to Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry. We are about 15 minutes away from the first public appearance by the newly partnered Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. Joe Biden. Uh, presumptive Democratic nominee for the presidency has now selected Kamala Harris as his running mate. They're getting together in Delaware today to address the public for the first time running together. Now, this announcement came uh, about 24 hours ago. 
right here on this radio program, you heard for the first time that Kamala Harris would be running alongside Joe Biden. That announcement came via Twitter. And right about the same time the announcement was made, uh, a gentleman named Adam Schultz posted a photograph to Twitter. Adam Schultz is the photographer for the Joe Biden campaign. And the photograph he posted on Twitter, uh, it looks like this. Joe Biden is sitting at a very sharp-looking desk. I mean, he has an Oxford shirt on. He is holding a cell phone in his hand, uh, apparently on speakerphone. You can see, if you know the iPhone, the upper right little option has been clicked. Uh, and he is holding that phone near a laptop, an open laptop, where on the screen you see the face, the smiling face of Kamala Harris. And we have since learned that it is in this moment that he, uh, Joe Biden, presumptive presidential candidate and nominee for the uh, Democratic nomination for pre presidency, uh, is asking Kamala Harris, are you ready to go to work? Are you ready to go to work? Now, that's all well and good, right? That's a, a wonderful, straightforward image. And as I looked at it, uh, if I'm honest, it has to do with this new phenomenon of uh, having like Zoom meetings or uh, FaceTime. You spend a lot of time uh, interacting with people via video chat. And do you catch yourself ever looking into the background? Do, do, do you ever uh, feel a little voyeuristic as you look and see how tidy someone's house is or what are the, the details that make up the background of that home? Well, I, I'm that way, right? So if you and I are ever video conferencing, know that about 85% of the time I am not looking at you but rather analyzing the, the background of that frame. <laughs> well, I applied that attitude to uh, this image here of the announcement being made by Joe Biden. Uh, to Kamala Harris. And in the background, uh, on this desk, uh, there is something which caught my attention. It was a framed cartoon. In the image, it's, it's difficult to make it out, uh, but it is very deliberately framed and positioned in exactly a place where uh, it will catch Joe Biden's eye every time he sits there uh, at that computer and at his desk. And after a little bit of internet sleuthing, I discovered that it is a, a comic strip from a number of decades ago in the Hagar the Horrible series. It's two frames. Uh, Hagar is there on a mountaintop in the midst of a storm. There's lightning. Uh, his, his dragon or animal friend, I'm not too familiar with the comic, but there's an animal in the background who appears to be uh, on fire. The, the first frame uh, looks like uh, a situation of of much tumult. It's a tumultuous situation uh, for Hagar, and he is shouting up to the heavens, and the little text bubble coming from Hagar's mouth says, why me? Why me? Question mark, exclamation point. And then the subsequent slide, the second of two, is that same scene. Hagar is now not shouting, uh, but is listening to a text bubble that is emerging from the clouds above. And it is a question which says, why not? Why not? As I dug into the history of that cartoon and why it sits on the desk of uh, Joe Biden, I learned that uh, it's in fact a, a greeting card that came to him uh, as a gift from his own father. And it is a reminder of the loss that one can endure in life and some of the rationale that one might apply to uh, possibly learning lessons 
or at least learning how to cope uh, with hardship. As you know, Joe Biden uh, has endured much hardship in his life. In his earliest days, uh, not long after being elected to the uh, United States Senate, his first wife and their one-year-old daughter were killed in a car accident. His two boys were in that vehicle as well, and there was question about whether or not they would live. I wanted to learn about why that cartoon sits on the desk of Joe Biden, and I tracked down an interview uh, the former vice president gave a number of years ago. We'll get to the exact explanation uh, of that cartoon in just a moment. But here, from that interview, uh, decades later, uh, as Joe Biden was nearing the end of his uh, second term as uh, vice president, his, old, his oldest son, Bo, died of a brain tumor. And he found comfort, Joe Biden that is, he found comfort in a letter he had received from Teddy Kennedy. When I lost my wife and daughter suddenly, when I lost Bo, I found the things that have gotten me through are having a sense of purpose. There's a letter that I got was rewritten to me by uh, Vicki Kennedy, Teddy Kennedy's wife, who died of the exact same cancer that Bo died of. And she said every time Teddy would be down before he was diagnosed, be down, he'd reach in his top chest of drawers and pick out a letter that he kept that his father had written to a friend who had recently lost a son in the mid-50s. And he said, and I'm making the guy's name up, I think it was John, but I'm, don't hold me to that. And he said, John, he said, uh, when I lost Joe, his son, in World War II, his beloved oldest son, he said, I spent time, why? Why me? Why did this happen? What, 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 what's the purpose of this? Why was it? Why did this happen? Then he said, then because life has to be lived. One day I thought to myself, what would Joe be doing if he were still alive? And I decided to dedicate myself to that. Maybe that's the reason for it. There is, there is hope in purpose. Devoting yourself to something that really matters that matters to you, mattered to the loved one you lost. I don't share this story as a, an advocate of any individual for any office. It is absence of politics. It was uh, a cartoon on the desk of, uh, of a man making an announcement that caught my attention, and it sent me down uh, a rabbit hole of sorts, uh, which has revealed to me uh, some important life lessons that have come through great hardship and are also encapsulated in a silly little cartoon. In that same interview, uh, Joe Biden goes on to explain the comment and why he keeps it. My dad was one of those guys who um, used to say, where's the written champ that world owes you living? I have on my desk still that I've had for the last 23 years a little thing they bought at a Hallmark card store that it's a little rectangular frame with a piece of glass and two frames in it of Hagar the Horrible, the, the Viking, the cartoon character. And his ship is on the rocks and lightning is struck and Hagar is looking up at heaven saying, why me, God? And the next frame, same picture except the voice coming from heaven say, why not? A lot of people are going through a lot worse than whatever you're going through. And the way they get through it is they get through it because they have people who reach out, touch them, support them, give them solace. Grief doesn't see politics. 
grief is blind, loss is blind, hardship is blind, and the lessons learned by hardship can be applied to anyone regardless of their political leanings. And you can find reminders of that uh, in almost everywhere you look. And I saw it after tumbling down a rabbit hole after a little cartoon I saw on the desk of Joe Biden. That was one of my uh, major takeaways from the announcement of yesterday. I think I predicted and expected Kamala Harris to be announced as his running mate. I think it makes sense. I think uh, she checks a number of boxes and brings uh, a number of required strengths to maybe some of the shortcomings of the uh, Biden campaign. I think it was a wise choice. And so uh, it didn't surprise me too much when it was made. Uh, but I am grateful uh, to Joe Biden intentionally or unintentionally for letting that comic strip be seen so that you and I could tumble down this rabbit hole together and learn a little bit about uh, about grief and about his life and maybe some lessons that you and I can apply to our own selves as we face uh, uh, untimely and unexpected and tragic loss. All right, quick break. Quick break. When we come back, uh, the mood will be lightened, I promise, uh, as Joe Biden and Kamala Harris appear for the first time side-by-side as running mates from Wilmington, Delaware. That's next on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio.